Let's go to the word. Let's go to John chapter four. Man, I'm excited to preach tonight. I'm excited for this word. John chapter four. We're going to start in verse 39. It's on the screen. It says this. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I did. If you got your paper Bible with, you might want to underline that and uh, maybe write in uh, the column there. That's, that's called conviction. Jesus told me everything I did. So God, Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, has this encounter, and this is what happens after the encounter, and we're going to go back and hit the encounter, but I just wanted to, to hit the last portion of this because it says that many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus. Why? Because of the woman. Because she said, he told me everything I did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe. Not just because of what you told, not just because of your encounter, not just because you encountered Jesus, but because we encountered Jesus, but because we heard him for ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you open up every ear, every heart, every mind to receive the real word. Change us, challenge us tonight in Jesus' name. Come on, if you'll believe and receive that, why don't you say amen? Amen. You know, the best form of advertising is what? Word of mouth, right? Uh, when a new restaurant comes to town, all it takes is one of your friends going to that restaurant and it being... Uh, the best steak that they've ever had. Listen, if it's the best steak, you got to tell me because I want to go experience it, all right? It could be the best food in town. And, and what do you do? You're like, okay, well, let's make plans to go to that restaurant because if it's really as good as what they're saying, in fact, we just went to Jeremiah's Italian Ice last night. Has anybody been to, to Jeremiah's yet right across the street here? And we went on the recommendation of somebody else. Somebody came to us and they said, man, this place is incredible. You have to go. Now, I'm not going to give you my feedback on it yet because we're going to do a fundraiser. I believe it's next week over at a Jeremiah's Italian Ice. You're just going to have to go and check it out for yourself, all right? I think that's next week or either uh, the week after. We're all going to meet over there uh, after service. We're going to have some Jeremiah's Italian Ice. But the best, uh, the best advertising is word of mouth. In fact, Shannon owns uh, a business. She does in-home renovations for houses, and she's never had to run an ad. She posts very little on social media because what she does is she'll go in and redo somebody's kitchen, go in and redo somebody's bathroom, and all it takes is somebody to come in and see these brand new countertops or brand new cabinets, and they're like, who did this for you? And then we get a phone call, and it just kind of happens over and over this way that the best form of advertising is word of mouth. Likewise, uh, for all of the Karens in the world, um, it can also be a bad thing, right? They can take to Facebook and, you know, they can take to, and they can, they can, uh, they can ruin uh, a restaurant really, really fast. Word of mouth is still the best form of advertising. Hearing firsthand from someone that they had a great experience is the greatest selling tool to the business world in America. Listen, even business, they know this. They put it on their website. They put the testimonies of their products and they have it on their post. People want to know. They want to hear first experience 
firsthand experience. And then Chick-fil-A, y'all seen these ads, right? Y'all seen these red couch advertisements that they do where they bring people in and it's a firsthand testimony. And they have somebody sit on the couch and, you know, they have them sit down and they tell of this problem. They tell of this experience, you know, that that I was running late for a practice. And because I was running late for a practice, they pushed me up to the front of the line and they got my order and they got me to the game on time or, or whatever it is. And they share these experiences and they share these experiences that we connect with. And then we go, you know what? I'm going to go and have some of God's chicken, right? They're closed on Sundays, but I'm going to go and have some of this chicken that is deep fried and liquid Holy Spirit. They go there and uh, because they're like, I've got to have some of this good chicken. And that's what happens in John chapter four. That's what happens in this story, word of mouth advertising, is that we find this lady that she comes to the well in the afternoon. You've got to understand that she goes in the afternoon because she is somebody that is living in sexual sin. She's somebody that is uh, living in sexual immorality. And so she's kind of rejected by everybody else. And so she shows up. Uh, in the afternoon, right at the same time that Jesus is passing through town. Now, if you'll read the scripture, it said that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, there were other ways to get to where Jesus was going. This happened to be the shortest way. And what you'll find interesting is that most Jewish people would go around the region of Samaria because they were so prejudiced to the people in Samaria that they didn't even want to have any interaction. And so most Jewish people would go around the region of Samaria, but the Bible says that he had to go through it. And I like to believe that the reason that the Bible said that he had to go through Samaria is because he had to encounter the woman at the well. And so He goes to the region of Samaria and he ends up at this well. And as he's at the well, this woman comes to draw water. Jesus has an encounter with her. And Jesus says, listen, I need some water. And so the woman begins to engage in a conversation with Jesus. And through this conversation, Jesus never judged her. Jesus never pointed a finger at because what she expected from a Jewish man would have been rejection. What she expected from somebody of his descent would have been condemnation, rejection. That's not what she experienced. What she experienced was somebody's whose heart was full of love, was full of compassion, and engaged her on a personal level. And he says, I need some water. And she says, well, where's your your bucket? I mean, you you didn't even come to the well well prepared. Where's your bucket? How are you going to even get water? And then he says to her, look, if you knew who was talking to you, you would have asked me for water and I would have given you a water that, that would have never run dry. I would have given you a water that would have turned on the inside of you to a fountain that would have bubbled up into, into a fountain of life that you would have never needed water ever again. And then they get into this discussion even about worship. And she's like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm a Samaritan and, and you're Jewish. And, and so Samaritans really were like, they were half Jewish and, and half Assyrian. 
So in this time, the Assyrians in about 700 BC, 700 years before this encounter would have happened, came in and, and they took captive of the northern kingdom of Israel. And they took into exile part of the population. We talked about this a few weeks ago. But then they moved in a whole bunch of the Assyrian population. And so they begin to intermarry Jewish with Assyrians, and they begin to mix their religion, the Assyrian religion, and they begin to mix the, uh, they begin to mix their religion. Um, and, and so they begin to take Judaism and this religion. And so they ended up, and so with this kind of mixture of everything. And so she even enters into this discussion about religion. And Jesus never judged her. Jesus never condemned her. Jesus never pointed his finger at her. But Jesus simply loved her. Can I tell you that God wants to use your encounter? Can you think back on that encounter? Can you think back on what God did in your life? Can you think back on how God saved you? Can you think back on how God filled you? Can you think back maybe even on this last week, how God showed up in your life? Can you maybe think back even last week in the service, how God touched you? Or maybe it was a few weeks ago, how God touched you. What I love is that we're hearing testimonies every week. And what I want to tell you is that God wants to use your encounter. God wants to use your experience when he came into your life and he didn't condemn you and he didn't point his finger at you and he didn't reject you. But what he did is he came into your life and he loved you. And I'm telling you, he's here tonight. And chances are that you've had had an encounter. And if you haven't had an encounter, that you will have an encounter and you'll experience God's goodness and you've tasted his salvation. And if you haven't, you'll taste his salvation, his mercy, his grace. And this is what I know is that that when you experience God, it's like a good meal. In fact, Psalms 34, 8 says it this way, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because when you go to a good restaurant, what do you do? You go tell everybody, man, you got to go eat at this place. The environment is right. You just, you, you get excited about it. And can I tell you that when you taste and see that the Lord is good, you will go and tell the people around you. You can't come into this place and experience him. You can't walk in his house and encounter him and not walk out and tell about his goodness. And the writer of Psalms, David actually wrote Psalm 34. And when he says, taste and see that the Lord is good, this is why he says it. Because look what Psalm 34, 4 through 7 says. It says, I prayed to the Lord. And what did he do? He answered me. He freed me from all my fears. If you've been freed, you've tasted and seen that the Lord is what? He's good. To those who look for help will be filled with radiant joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my depression, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from my troubles for the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. How could David say that if I taste and see that the Lord is good? I'll tell you why. Because when he prayed, he got an answer. He was feared. He was freed from all of his fears. He was shining radiant with joy. There was no shame on his face. In desperation, he prayed and the Lord listened. This is why he could say, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I'm telling you that when you have this kind of encounter, you'll walk out of this place and you'll go, you've got to come to Restoration Church because at Restoration Church, you're going to taste and see that the Lord is good. 
I'm telling you, God wants to use your encounter because one encounter changes everything. Can I say that again? One encounter changes everything. The woman at the well experiences God's love, not judgment. Look, he does point out things in her life, but notice it wasn't condemning. It wasn't judging. It was loving. And in a loving way, he says to her, he says, he says, look, Go, go get your husband because I want to tell your husband about these things. And she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right. And the man that you're living with now is not your husband. And he's been with five others. And he called her out, but not in a way to say, you know what? I'm so much better. No, he called her out. He convicted her. He pointed out the things in her life and brought her close to say, I love you. What I know about God is that he's a loving God that is not going to allow us to stay the same way that we are. He's not going to let us walk in. And I pray that when people walk through these doors, nobody feel condemnation, nobody feel judgment, but I do pray we feel conviction. I pray that if I walk in here and there's something not right in my life, hear me out. God, convict me. God, let your Holy Spirit point its finger in my heart and go, hey, this doesn't look like me, Craig. You need to get this right. If I'm beginning to to drift or or wander or sway, I pray that the Holy Spirit will come in and go, convict me, God. Lord, let your conviction rest in this place, God, that we look more like you, that we have encounters with your Holy Spirit, that we can walk out and tell somebody, hey, this is the way I used to be, and this is the way I am now. Hey, this is the person that I used to be, and this is who I am now. When they say, hey, do you want to go to the bar with us on Friday night? You can say, this is who I used to be, and this is who I am now. When they ask you if you want to do the business deal that you know isn't right and cheat somebody out of your money, you go, this is who I used to be and this is who I am now. And we begin to testify of the goodness of God that this is not who I, this is not who I am anymore. I may have used to been that person, but this is who I am now. And you too can taste and see that the Lord is good. An encounter changes everything. And I just hear somebody saying tonight, you know what? I don't fit the mold. Let me tell you something. You don't have to fit the mold to be used by God. Because the Samaritan woman had three strikes against her in this day and time. She was a Samaritan, she was a woman, and she was sexually immoral. She had three strikes against her. She didn't fit the mold of somebody that you would go, okay, this is somebody that can be used by God. She didn't fit the mold because she was a Samaritan, but God used it. Because if a Jew had gone running through the town or the region of Samaria saying, I found the Savior, you know what they'd done? They would have looked at that person like they were crazy. They would have ignored them. They would have shunned them, and they wouldn't have cared what they had to say because their hearts would have been filled with so much prejudice towards a Jewish person that they wouldn't have even listened to the message that they had to say. But God sent a Samaritan woman that ran through the town that they related to, that they knew, and they said, look, I know that woman. I know what she's been dealing with. I know what she's been going through. And if she's running through the town saying that she's found the Messiah, something must be up about what she has to say. 
And we'll feel like I don't fit the mold, but God is saying, because you don't fit the mold, that's the reason that I'll use you. Because you're not this like, holy, I have it all together. Everything in my life is just perfect. Look at my perfect. No, it's not about that. People go look and they go, I know they have some junk, but when you go from this to that, they look and they go, man, I'm going to listen to what they have to say. When they say you delivered and, and when they see you restored, when they see you healed when they see you whole. They look at you and they go, I know the person that they used to be. And because I know the person that they used to be, and I see the person that they are now, God wants to use your encounter. But you don't have to fit a mold. They would have never listened to a Jewish person running through the city. But they accepted her message. God used what was viewed by others as a strike against her and used it to his advantage. Can I tell you this, that God will use even what you think is a strike against you, God will use that to your advantage. Because you probably say, there's no way God could use me because, fill in the blank. There's no way that God could speak through me because, fill in the blank. And God is saying, I want to use you because, fill in the blank. You've got a testimony because, Fill in the blank. And what God wants to do is use your testimony, use your story. He wants to use that to reach other people. God wants to use your encounter of how you encountered the power of the Holy Spirit, how you encountered his life-changing power. God wants to use that story to reach somebody. You don't have to fit the mold. God wants to use who you are. God wants to use where you came from. God wants to use your story. Don't be ashamed of who you are. Don't be ashamed of what you've been through. Don't be ashamed of your heritage. Don't be ashamed of your story. God wants to use it to, listen to this. God wants to use it to give you credibility in the lives of others who have been through what you've been through. Can I say that again? God wants to use it to give you credibility in the lives of others who have been through what you've been through. Because she was a Samaritan woman, it gave her credibility in the lives of Samaritan people. Because you've been through some stuff, God wants to use you in the lives of the people that have been through the same stuff. Because you've walked through some hardships, God can use you to speak through people that have been through the hard same hardships. But it only happens when we'll lay those things on the altar and go, God, I'm not the person that I need to be, but as you're transforming me into the person that I need to be, you're going to use me, it'll give me credibility, and I'm going to be able to share and pour in to some people. Because there's people in your sphere of influence that I can't reach that only you can reach because you've been through some things, or, or maybe, you know, it, maybe you even, look, they, they just won't accept the message from me, but they'll accept it from you. There's people you're called to reach that I'm not called to reach. But what happens as we come together as the body of Christ, we begin to reach the people the Restoration Church is called, and that is all people. And we come together collectively in our experiences, and an encounter changes everything. So she didn't fit the mold because she was a Samaritan. It was her background. She didn't fit the mold because she was a woman. And, you know, I feel like too many times in, and many days, even in the current church and in the modern church, you know, people have said that, 
you know, women can't be in the pulpit and God can't use women and, you know, et cetera. And the, the church has said this for so long. Why then did Jesus choose the first evangelist to be a woman that would go through a city and share the gospel? The first person that he encounters is the Samaritan woman in the book of John. And before he can even send her, he doesn't say, okay, go tell everybody. In fact, Jesus turns, and we're going to look at it in just a second. Jesus turns to have a conversation with his disciples. And while he's talking to his disciples, he turns and she's gone. She's already run into the city and she's telling everybody, hey, you got to come out here. I have found the Messiah. He told me everything that I did. He convicted me of my sin. Guess what? I've repented. I've turned from my sin. And this man named Jesus, I'm telling you, he's the Messiah. And so even when he turned to tell his disciples, she was gone. And a woman went through the city as the first evangelist preaching the gospel. Come on, God will and can use anyone. We got to quit trying to put people inside of a mold. Put yourself inside of a mold. I don't care what your background is, you you can say, well, I'm not a Bible scholar, so God can't use me. All you got to have is a testimony. All you got to have a testimony and being willing to open your mouth and share your encounter. And I promise you, God will use you. And then third, she didn't fit the mold because she was sexually immoral. She had a past. Many feel like you're disqualified because you have a past. I, I would probably tell you this, you're probably more qualified because you have a past. If you've been delivered, you ought to share it. If you've been healed, you ought to share it. If God saved you, you ought to share it. Come on, if you've been through something and God found you right where you are in the middle of your mess, you ought to talk about it. Because this woman didn't experience Jesus at the well, and he didn't say, hey, you're going to need to go take three months and go sit in a monastery and, and, and learn the Bible and, and learn. Like they didn't, Jesus and the Samaritan woman didn't even agree on what at that time the Torah was. The Samaritan woman would have only accepted the first five books of the Bible as actually scripture. And he didn't, he didn't wait. to. It wasn't like you've got to do all these things and then I'll use you. She was still in her mess, and she ran out into the city and became the first evangelist and started leading people to Jesus. And we think we got to get all of our stuff together, and and if I'll get all my stuff together, then God will use me. No, God can use you right now, right where you're at. You can make a walk to the altar tonight and give your life to Jesus and walk out the door and witness to your waitress or witness to the cashier and say, you're never going to believe what God did in my life tonight because you're beaming from ear to ear because your cheeks are still wet from the tears that were streaming down your face because your makeup is smeared. Why is your makeup smeared? Because I was in the altar and God wrecked my life tonight. It can be as quick as that. But in our minds, we've got to get all of our stuff together and I better attend Bible college and I better get on a really good Bible reading plan and I've got to get in a small group and all those things are good and you should do all those things. But your testimony is valid the moment that Jesus saves you. And the moment he saves you is when you're willing to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again. And when you make that confession and believe it, guess what? You're saved. And so if you're saved, you've got a valid testimony. This is who I used to be, 
and, and I can't see it yet, and I'm not 100% this person yet, but this is who I'm going to be. <laughs> and you walk out of the doors of the church, and you just begin to walk in faith. I'm telling you, if you've got a mess, you've got a message. Can I say that? I didn't even, that's not even my notes. If you got a mess, you got a message. Because there's people that know us, there's people that knew us, and when we tell of our encounter, they're going to be like, something's different. When we tell of what God did, when we tell of the life change, when we tell of the grace that we receive, they're going to listen. Why? Because you, you carry a credibility. Your testimony, and this is what this whole series is called, makes straight the path, but your testimony is going to make straight the path, straight to Jesus. And that's what it did. The Samaritan woman it made straight the path to Jesus. She ran through the city, met the man that told me my sin. How did, how did he even know? How did he know what I, what I was doing? How did he? But he told me, he, he knew. She runs through the cities. Is this the Messiah? This must be the Messiah. Come and see. Because people know your life and know what you've experienced. People close to you, when you share the goodness of God's mercy and grace, they're going to come running to Jesus. Your testimony will make straight the path. Because that, what you see is disqualifications. God sees as qualifications. He saw her mess and called it out. She confesses him as the Messiah. and She goes and spreads the message. So watch this. This should be our pattern. She did this. This was her pattern. We hear and believe. We change. And we tell. At Restoration Church, this is our wording for it. We're restored with God. We're restored with Him. We restore the world. We get restored with God. We get restored within. We get the stuff right. And by the way, that's a process. I talked about that last week. If you know, if you think everything just automatically, no, go back and listen to last week's message because I talk about justification, sanctification, and glorification. That's you're saved. You're becoming more like God. You will be like God. This is eternity. This is what's happening now. This is what God did on the cross. When we confess him, it's... So that's, we get restored within and then what do we do? We do what the Samaritan woman did, and we go restore the world. Watch what Romans 10 says. It says, but how can they call on them to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers of those who bring the good news. God wants to use your mess and turn it into a message. God wants to, in this place, touch your heart, touch your life in such a way that we leave this place. Listen, we are sent, by the way. Matthew 28, we're sent. If you think I'm not sent, read Matthew 28. You're sent. Go into all the world and make disciples of the nations. We're sent. You're sent. If you've never heard it before, you're sent. When we leave, 
When we leave this place, we're on mission to share the gospel, to say, come and see what God is doing. God's done something in my life. There's this place called Restoration Church. You may be scared at first to just outright share the story. All you have to do is something simple like this. God's doing something in my life. This is where it happened. Come and see. They come and see. They hear an encounter for themselves, just like what happened with the Samaritan woman. Their life gets changed. Then guess what happens? They go out. They say, hey, come and see. They bring him here. They encounter Jesus for themselves, and the process repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats. And then we have to plant churches in Salina, and then we have to plant churches in Aubrey, and then we have to plant churches where because we can't hold the, the enough places, and then we raise up pastors and we send them out, and then we and it just the process repeats itself. And that's what happened in the book of Acts was it just the church just kept duplicating. Why? Because it was always my life has changed. Come and see, encounter, and repeat. And that's our vision. Man, I want to see people restored with God. I want to see people restored within. And then I want to see us go into the world and restore the world. But it'll only happen if we'll realize that we got to break out of the mold. God wants to use our mess. I want the band to come back. And I'm going to close here. Aren't you glad for God moments? Aren't you glad for the moments when God does the unexpected? I sat, and I I do this every week, I, I sit with four to five different people from the church every week. And this last week, I, I sat with somebody, and, you know, they begin to, to, to share just their story and their testimony, and they, they shared with me. They said, the night that I walked into the church, I was done. I was done with church, done with God. And Restoration Church was my, my last stop, and I was never going to another church again. I was done. They began to share with me that that night, that the power and presence of God touched their life in such a way that they just couldn't stop crying the whole service through the worship through the word God was doing something in their life and I'm thankful that Restoration Church can be that place where people literally at the end of their rope can walk into a building and go This is it, God. You either show up or I'm done. That's just one testimony, but I sit with people all the time where we hear the same thing. It's not our church, it's God. Taste and see. Taste and see. Because he's been too good. And and if he's been good, then we ought to go and tell. Hey, come and see. Come encounter what I've encountered. Come encounter his presence. Come encounter his love. Come encounter his grace. Come encounter his mercy. Come encounter his provision. Come encounter his power. Because it's real. This is not some fictitious thing or some fictitious book or just some stories. But this book holds power. 
and tells the story of a God that wrapped himself in flesh and came to the earth so that we could have real encounters that change our life. That I could leave my past behind and walk into newness with him. Jesus, in the end of John, he goes on to say this. The disciples interrupt the conversation and they're like, Jesus, you got to eat something. They're almost kind of bothering him about it. Jesus just turns to him and says, hey, guys, look, I've got a food that you don't know anything about. And it's to do the will of my father. And if I could give you the the Darby translation, I think he probably would have turned to him and said something like, did you see the life, the woman's life that was just changed? That's what fills me up. Did you see the joy on her face? Did you see her countenance change? Did you see the heaviness that lifted off of her? that she doesn't have to live hiding in shame anymore? Did you see it lift up? Did you see the chains break off of her? Guys, that is what fills me up. And you know, we, we end up in church with a lot of Christians that can't stay on fire for God. If you want to stay full, man, continually share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Watch in front of your eyes, people, be set free. Watch in front of your eyes, God's goodness be pouring out in their life. Watch in front of your eyes, addictions be broken. Watch in front of your eyes, people be healed, people be restored. That fills me up. God, what fills me up? Seeing hearts and lives changed. Seeing the lost found. Jesus said, that's what fills me up. You want to know how to stay on fire with God? Let that be your mission. Let that be your purpose. Let it be more about just surviving. Let it be more than just getting by. Man, if we'll make it more of our mission or less of our mission just to get by and more of our mission to help other people get by, I'm telling you, your life is going to change. Your perspective is going to change. Lord, let it be. God, let us be about the hurting and the broken. God, let us be about the lost. Because this is what I know. Revival breaks out because of one 